Hello and welcome back to another edition of From the Newsroom, the uh, semi-weekly podcast of the Holland Sentinel. I'm Arpan Lobo, reporter at the Sentinel, and today I'm joined by our managing editor, Audra Gamble. Hi, Audra. Hey, Arpan. How's it going? It's it's going well. We're joining remotely, so we're being social distanced still over here. Still. Four months later, almost five months later, <laughs> still social distancing. But anyway, we have got together today to do a podcast on uh, today's Thursday the 6th, but we're going to talk about Tuesday's primary election. Uh, it took place across the state. We had a lot of races we were following locally here. I think it was between our two papers. How many races did we follow on Tuesday? Um, yeah, so we have um, reporters at the Holland Sentinel that cover Ottawa and Allegan counties, and then we also um, have the Ionia Sentinel standard a little closer toward Lansing, and collectively... Um, among those three counties, we covered over 50 individual races as a staff, so we were very busy Tuesday night. Very, very busy into Tuesday morning, too. Um, right. But anyway, so we're gonna we got together. To, we're gonna recap what happened in not all of those races, but some of the more notable races. <laughs> sure, I will highlight some. Uh, we're also gonna hit on some of the congressional races that were uh, playing out across the state, and then we're gonna talk about kind of what lessons we can take from Tuesday's election, looking ahead to November when uh, the White House is going to be on, on the line. So I guess uh, just to start, we can go over some uh, preliminary results for some of the bigger uh, races. And one of the uh, results that hasn't officially been conceded yet, that was one of the bigger ones we followed in Allegan County, was the Allegan County Prosecutors race. And Audra, on Thursday, with the uh, results in, how many votes are separating the two candidates? 17 votes. <laughs> right. So incumbent uh Allegan County prosecuting attorney, uh, Myrene Cook, has 17 more votes than her challenger, uh, Mike Villar. This is the second time uh, they've ran against each other. Now, uh, Cook has declared victory, but uh, Villar said he's not going to uh, concede defeat until it's certified by the Board of Canvassers. Yeah, I mean, this, this race really went back and forth kind of all night, and I don't think, to my recollection, we ever had a moment in time where they were more than a couple of hundred votes different from each other. I mean, it was really close all night. Um, and it's you know kind of wild to think that over 20,000 votes were cast in this particular um, contest. And so it's wild to think that just 17 votes, you know, made that difference. So for those of you that are, you know, kind of sort of doom and gloom saying, oh, you know, my vote doesn't count in, in elections. This is straight up the proof. Yes, in fact, it does, because, you know, fewer than 20 votes, you know, made that that difference. And it is sort of interesting seeing, um, you know, a, a, an incumbent person saying, you know, oh, thank you so much to everyone that supported me, you know, made, made their voices heard, blah, 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 kind of like this big, you know, victory speech. And then the, the differential only being that small and it not really being an official result yet. Like you said, um, Mike Villar has not conceded the race and doesn't plan to until the Board of Commissioners certifies those results, you know, and, and makes it completely official. Yeah, it's definitely something to where, and uh, he can, after after it's counted, he can uh, request an official recount. Right. So, so we'll see. Michigan does not have automatic recounts, but right. uh, we'll see if that's uh, something that happens as well. Yeah, and you know, this wasn't the only race that we covered Tuesday night that was such a nail-biter the entire time. In Allegan County, we had two millages also that were neck and neck the entire time. And also, you know, somewhere around 20,000 votes were cast in, in all of those. 
Um, one of the millages was um, for a conservation district millage, and the other one was for a, a medical care facility. And that one got a little wonky because the, the results were so close together um, because of an error on some ballots. <laughs> so it, it's pretty complicated, but even now, you know, Thursday at a little afternoon, we still don't have um, an actual decision on those because some more work is going to have to be done for those residents of the city of Holland that live in, in that Allegan County portion. Right. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a special election going out over the mail, which uh, we're going to have to see uh, how exactly that plays out. Nothing's been made official yet, but uh, all kind of uh, signs look like that's going to be the case. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what happened is the, um, you know, it's, it's kind of this strange thing where part of the city of Holland is in Allegan County and then the majority of it is in Ottawa County. So there's a little section of, you know, Holland voters that actually vote for Allegan County millages. And those two millages were accidentally left off of the ballots for those people that are in city of Holland proper, but Allegan County residents. Um, and, and basically the, the clerk of Allegan County said, well, you know, for sure this was a mistake, like our bad, but you know, we'll have to see how close the results are. And if the results are close enough that those like that number of votes say, you know, in theory, everyone in that, that block of voters, voted either yes or no, and that would have, you know, swayed one way or another, then we'll have to, you know, figure out a way to do this special mail-in extra situation. And it ended up being that we do, in fact, have to do that because the results are so close, which, you know, the logistics of that <laughs> is going to take a little minute to figure out because it's going to have to be an all mail-in. And then, you know, how long do you give people to fill those out and send them back and all that? So, we're interested to see, you know, how that's going to play out just in terms of execution. Yes, it will be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Um, nothing's been made official yet, but uh, it appears that, um, in fact, Allegan County Commissioner Jim Story, who represents the portions of the city of Holland that fall in Allegan County, uh, he has indicated that he will be the one uh, kind of petitioning for this uh, special election. Right, yeah, because it, it's not just an automatic thing, even though it was, you know, just a kind of clerical error that caused this issue. Uh, a voter has to actually say, hey, wait a minute, I want my voice, you know, counted. And that, that petition will prompt, you know, this, this special election to occur. Yep. Uh, as we go a bit more north into Ottawa County, where the rest of Holland is, most of Holland, um, not... In Holland, exactly, there weren't uh, too many uh, competitive races, but in Park Township and in Zealand, there were some trustee races that uh, took place, and so we saw there were a lot of candidates for both of those, right. especially Park Township. It was a uh, kind of, you know, it, it was a crowded field. I think it, it was uh, nine candidates for four spots, or was it more than that? Uh, yeah, nine or ten sounds right to me, right? And so uh, we saw the results there. Park Township also decided on its next supervisor. Um, and then at the state house level, there were uh, a couple primaries uh, in both of the counties for um, the uh, kind of state house representatives. And, um, you know, there was a rare... In fact, it was the first time ever since the uh, current uh, district lines have been drawn that there was a Democratic primary in the 89th House District. That is the district that uh, starts at Park Township and goes up to the northern part of Ottawa County up to about Ferrysburg. 
And uh, Holland's Anita Brown defeated uh, Spring Lake's Eric Nordman. So she's going to challenge Jim Lilly for his seat in November in the 90th House District where um, Brad Slaw is the representative. That's parts of Holland, Zealand, and Hudsonville. Slaw was uh, able to defeat uh, challenger and Hudsonville mayor Mark Northrup by a pretty big margin. And the last kind of uh, contested primary in the state house is back again down in Allegan County where Mary Whiteford was able to hold off a primary challenge uh, from Nevin Cooper Keel by a pretty big margin. So it really wasn't a, you know, there weren't too many concerns for the incumbents on, on Tuesday. They kind of were able to uh, cruise through. Right. Yeah, I did just want to make a quick note for those Park Township trustees. Um, it was the really crowded race, and there were four people that kind of moved on to the next round. That doesn't necessarily mean that all four are going to become trustees in November, though. There are a couple of Democratic challengers for those trustee spots. So um, the, the, the field for the Republican candidates has narrowed, but they're um, still going to have to you know, campaign and, and sort of move on to that next round to actually get the, one of those trustee spots in the, the general election in a few months. That's a good point. That's a good point. It'll be interesting to see how that Republican vote is split and if any uh, Democrats can kind of uh, sneak in for one of the spots. Right. And then uh, now that now that we've kind of knocked down some notable, were there any other, you know, maybe millages or races that uh, we didn't bring up that you thought were uh, pretty uh, notable from Tuesday? Well, for the most part, we had um, – a lot of sort of renewal of operating millages for school districts uh, and those all passed pretty easily. However, um, Hamilton community schools had a bond proposal on the ballot uh, and, and they wanted um, a little more than $60 million, which is quite a chunk of change to build a new middle school to, to um, deal with some overcrowding issues that they're having in their school district. And that not only failed, but it failed pretty spectacularly. So, um, you know, the, our, our education reporter, uh, Mitchell Boatman, spoke with that superintendent and, you know, moving forward, they're going to have to be a little bit creative in terms of how they use their space, you know, to, to deal with that overcrowding issue. But um, it definitely was a disappointing result for, for that superintendent and, and that school district's, you know, desire to, to build a new building. Right, right. That's uh. Oh, always uh, these the school bond votes are always a bit memorable. I believe it was uh, in uh, May of 2019 that the Saugatuck school bond uh, vote failed to pass just by a handful of votes. Yeah, so the, yeah that um, was so so tight of a race. Sometimes yeah. these come down right to the wire. It's yeah, seriously, just a few votes. And I mean, it is also sort of you know kind of interesting to see how municipalities and school districts are dealing with the economic climate right now. We had so many millages and and different things that we were tracking on Tuesday, partially because quite a few of them were originally intended to be on ballots in May. And those districts and, and um, municipalities chose to postpone those until the August primary. Now, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that had, had those organizations realized that we still would have been, you know, very significantly dealing with coronavirus and, and you know, restrictions on, on public gatherings and things like that. I don't know if they would have still postponed it until, uh, you know, Tuesday had they known those things. <laughs> but it, it meant we had a ton of millages. And, you know, it's really hard to, you know, convince residents to say, well, yes, I do want my taxes to go up, you know, in circumstances in which 
many people still, you know, are filing for unemployment and, and struggling to make ends meet as is. And, you know, even things like renewals of operating millages or, you know, kind of things that we think is as routine, those are harder asks when the alternative is, well, if I vote no on this, my taxes might go down a little bit. I mean, it's, it's kind of a dangerous game that organizations play kind of deciding if they should wait to ask for millages, things like that, when, when the economic climate is, is just so tumultuous. It's a great point. That's a great point. Um, as, as we kind of move forward um, from kind of a hyper-local level to more of a uh, national level, there were a couple of primaries for uh, congressional races on Tuesday um, that we were following uh, in, in uh, Allegan County and throughout most of southwest Michigan. There were primaries on both sides of the Michigan uh, 6th Congressional District that's currently represented by Fred Upton. And on... Upton did have a primary challenger. It's not the first time he's had a primary challenger, but it, it's pretty rare. Um, right. He he won. He he declared victory uh, relatively early into the night, about 10 p.m. a few hours after polls closed. But it was a closer primary challenge than the last time. Uh, uh, he won by about 20 points, which is a decisive margin, of course. But uh, it it was kind of a bit slimmer margin than his previous primary challenger when he won by over 30 uh, points. So. That might just be a sign of how the district is going. Maybe people are more open to uh, a competitive race, but um, I don't think that was something he ever worried about. No, yeah, and I mean, it. you know, that one we kind of knew um, going into it, you know, obviously anything can happen in an election, but I think, you know, Upton's campaign felt pretty secure that they knew, you know, what that outcome would be. But I know you spent a lot of time on Tuesday night going into you know, Wednesday morning when we were still tracking things, looking at the flip side of that, of, of the Democratic primary. Yeah, this race was uh, really fascinating to me, and we nearly saw what would have been a pretty big upset. Um, so the two candidates on the Democratic side of things, and I forgot to mention, um, the name of Upton's primary challenger is Elena Olke. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that last name correctly, but she's a businesswoman from St. Joseph, and so she... Uh, uh, challenged Upton, fell a little bit short, but that was the name of uh, his challenger. But anyway, back to the Democratic side of things. The two candidates there, uh, John Hoadley, he is currently a state representative, and he represents the city of Kalamazoo and some surrounding areas in the in the legislature. He's term limited, and this is his third term in Lansing, so he's out of that uh, uh, door at the end of the year. And he was running against uh, Jen Richardson. Richardson is a teacher, uh, also from Kalamazoo, and um, if, if you just kind of looked at things from the outside, uh, if, you know, maybe before uh, Tuesday, you would have thought Hoadley would have won on Tuesday pretty decisively. I mean, he had some several notable endorsements, including from Governor Whitmer, um, from well, Michigan Attorney. Quite a, a bigger purse, correct? I mean, the, the contributions and, and money spent on that campaign was were not necessarily equitable between these two candidates. No, it was, there was a substantial gap. Hoadley had raised uh, over $1.4 million. Richardson had raised $74,000. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's, that's quite the difference. Okay. Right. Um, and so, and again, Hoadley had these big notable endorsements from a lot of people, a lot of uh, different groups. Uh, just uh, days before the election, uh, I reported that the uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, kind of their 
house campaign arm, they had announced that they were moving him into their red to blue campaign, which is something they do every every election year for um, candidates that they think can turn over um, Republican-held districts. Um, I'm not sure when the last time District 6 was in that uh, campaign or if it's ever been in that campaign because uh, Upton has ha- held it since 87. Right. But just days before the announcement, they said, Hoadley is our guy and we think he can flip this. But... Now- Oh, sorry. I, I just wanted to point out. So I know District Six, six is um, Allegan County, and then further south. But can you remind me where that that lower borderline is? How far south are we talking about for the district? Right to the Indiana border. Okay, got it. So uh, if I'm listing the the counties off, it's Allegan, Berrien, Cass, um, Kalamazoo, and I think I'm missing. There are six Van counties. Van what was that? Is it Van Buren? I believe so. I, I don't know. There's six counties in there, and they're all along this. That's a pretty geographically large district. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, the, the thing was, Holdley was kind of expected to be this guy to challenge Upton in November, and he will be. He was able to win, but only by uh, a handful of percentage points because Jen Richardson, for most of the night, was leading. And it looked like, even as we got to late, as late as 90% of uh, precincts reporting, she had a two or three point lead. It wasn't until uh, very late in the evening when it looks like a, a bunch of absentee ballots were counted in Kalamazoo County. And that's where Holdley was able to kind of build his lead and take it back. And he ended up winning by four points. And so he will uh, challenge Upton in November, but it was not, you know, uh, there were def- there were probably some nervous moments in that, in that Holdley uh, campaign room. For sure, yeah. So talking about, you know, kind of as we were uh, waiting for results to come in, um, I will say it was a very late night for the both of us tracking these results. Um, I don't think we, um, you know, really called it a night until, geez, almost 4 a.m. It was past 4 a.m. for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, definitely kind of like, hey, are you still awake over there? (laughs) Don't fall asleep. We still have more results. Um, but I think that, you know, for us, it was kind of useful as, as sort of a test run for how things are going to go in November. Um, you know, we covered the election as a newsroom remotely, which was very odd. <laughs> I certainly have never done that before. And, and, you know, for a lot of residents in the state of Michigan, there were so many more um, mail-in ballots than there have been in the past. Um, and seeing, you know, one, the voter turnout aspect, but then also, how that affected how results came in, I think tells a lot about what we may see, you know, coming into the general election in November. Right. And and just today, uh, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said that over 2.5 million people voted in Tuesday's election and 1.6 million of those were through the mail, which is an extremely high figure. Uh, And that's only going to grow as we get to November, you know, turnout, in Michigan was 32%. That's pretty consistent with what we saw over here. Ottawa County was uh, 34%, and um, Allegan County was 31%, and that's both higher than uh, the August 2016 election, which was the last uh, primary ahead of a presidential election. And so we, we know those figures are going to grow uh, in November, but what we don't know is whether or not they're going to be kind of any uh, new resources or legislation passed for local clerks to be able to maybe process these uh, increased absentee ballots faster. Right, yeah. And I mean, I will say Ottawa County results were final around, what was it, maybe one thirty in the morning? It was a little before one thirty. yeah. 
Um, so, you know, we had those a little faster than we did Allegan County, but, um, you know, something that I thought was, was really notable about Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning is that at 6.45 a.m. Wednesday morning, Wayne County, which, you know, obviously houses the city of Detroit, only had like a third of their precincts reporting, which is kind of wild. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really hard to call the, the state of Michigan for, for statewide elections without having Wayne County in because of, you know, the population of Detroit. And I, I don't know, it just doesn't really seem likely that we're going to have um, the ability to call the state of Michigan for a presidential candidate until at least a day or two, if not more, after the actual election come November. Right. As things stand now, you know, even uh, I talked to Justin Roebuck, who's the Ottawa County clerk, just about how Tuesday's election uh, ran. And he said, you know, if we don't get, if they don't give us any more time to maybe process these ballots earlier, people are just going to have to stop expecting, you know, those results to come in on time because to uh, turnout on Tuesday was in the 30%. On, in November, it's going to be in the 70s, uh, possibly. And so that's just going to be a, an influx of even more ballots, even more mailed-in ballots that um, clerks are going to have to count. And so, you know, it's, it's always it's a, it's a tra- tradition on election night, you know, to kind of stay up late and watch the results as they trickle in and kind of say who gets whose electoral votes. But, you know, if, if this is the case and we don't know how the city of Detroit and Wayne County voted until – Wednesday afternoon or later, you know, it's going to be, it's not going to be election night. It's going to be election week. Oh, geez. <laughs> just, just you saying that out loud makes me feel very tired. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think in Michigan at least, and this isn't a situation that's happening across the country, this kind of expansion of mail-in uh, voting. Some states have already had systems like this and they already have, you know, pre-existing mechanisms in there to allow local clerks to be able to process these ballots early not count the ballots early but process them and when i say that it means just kind of making sure that the ballot is like okay it's accurate it's signed it's um you know able to go to through the machine to be counted Uh, because sometimes i was talking to bob janetsky who's a county clerk down in allegan he was saying sometimes you get a ballot that is just crumpled up and you can't run it through a machine. You have to put it under a book until it's flat enough to run it through the machine. Oh, come on. And so, you know, you can't always, uh, maybe sometimes people aren't as careful with their ballots as they should be, but sure. um, maybe yeah, and, 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 and you can't do that until uh, polls open on election day. Right. Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting to see kind of how that plays out in terms of legislation because it has been presented to, you know, Michigan Congress people of, hey, this is a problem. You know, our clerks are getting kind of nervous about this, but there hasn't really been any substantial movement from from Mike Shirky um, in Lansing about, you know, whether this is something that he's really going to, to reasonably consider. And I'm, I'm curious to, to see looking forward whether how things played out on Tuesday night will affect, you know, his decision making in, in terms of, considerations for November. Right. Mike Shirky is the Senate majority leader uh, in the in the Michigan legislature. And so he is kind of, I'm not saying he's like Mitch McConnell, but he holds the same role as Mitch McConnell does just for the state of Michigan uh, rather than in the U.S. Senate, uh, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, last year, as you mentioned, he did kind of say like, no, we're not, like it was a bill to allow uh, local clerks process these ballots uh, more ahead of time. 
and he said, no, I don't think it's necessary, so it didn't pass last year. Yesterday, on Wednesday, Governor Whitmer held a press conference, and she she said, he didn't say, she said that she thinks he might be more receptive to the bill this time around. So if it gets passed uh, ahead of the November election this time, maybe things will look a little different. But uh, well, we've yet to see you know any kind of real motion. I mean, it's only been two days since uh, Election Day, but we, we're still kind of just waiting to see uh, where, where that ends up. All right, something to look forward to, that's for sure. I think so. And I think with that note, um, I think we're ready to wrap it up. Was there anything else that maybe uh, from Tuesday night that you think we should go over or maybe looking ahead? Well, I did want to mention just sort of in the, you know, quirks and et cetera category, um, there was a, uh, a township road millage that we were tracking in Ionia County for our sister paper, the Ionia Sentinel Standard, um, that I don't know that I've ever seen this before in covering elections. The millage was a dead 50-50 tie. It was 110 votes yes and 110 votes no. Um, and I, I just, you know, it kind of took me a minute to remember what happens <laughs> when there's a tie in a millage. And, um, you know, a millage only passes if it has a majority of votes. And technically, 50% is not a majority. 51% is. So by one vote, that road millage failed. So everybody that you know, is, has been hemming and hawing about registering to vote or, you know, not entirely sure where their polling location is. Now is the time to get prepared for November because those votes really, truly do count. That is definitely uh, <laughs> something I haven't seen before either. No. Um, and I can't imagine, you know, being the proponents of, of, of a millage like that and just be like, if we got one oh, more person no. to sign up to vote and we <laughs> convince them. Oh, man. Yeah, that had to be such a hard thing to see come in for sure. Yeah, well, on that note, uh, I think we're going to sign off here. So once again, this has been a uh, edition of From the Newsroom, the semi-weekly podcast of the Holland Sentinel. Uh, for Managing Editor Audra Gamble, I am Arpan Lobo, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>